How to protect water quality. Kind of an important thing for everybody. We drink water. We rely on water. We need water for farming. Fish need water. Orcas need fish. I mean, we're watching what's happening, right, in the news with the with the southern resident orcas in, in the Salish Sea and, and the struggles that they're facing and they need more Chinook salmon primarily to eat. and All these things, we're seeing how they're tied together. And, and, and so it comes back to some maybe some basic things that can be done. Farming maybe can be playing a role in this, maybe is playing a role in this. Um, welcome back, by the way. This is The Farming Show, KGMI News Talk 790. I'm Dylan Honkoop, your host. Our sponsors are Farmers Equipment Company, Laurel Farm and Western Supply, McAvoy Oil Company. We appreciate their support to talk about uh, issues and, and topics that are important to farming uh, and beyond here in our community and around Northwest Washington and, and in some cases around Washington State. I, of course, I'm with the organization now uh, called Save Family Farming. Um, and, and this is kind of a part of what, what we've been saying uh, as far as uh, protecting water quality. We need, we need to protect streams. Farmers are doing a lot of work toward that end. By the way, check out farmersforreal.org to see some of the great projects that farmers have been up to uh, in the last uh, several years, more and more all the time. Um, protecting salmon habitat, things like this. But uh, protecting the quality of the water in those streams uh, is very important. And we see a, a big concern being cities expanding, urban development being something that, that hurts water quality. We, we see you know streams flow through farming areas and water quality is good or even gets better in, in some cases. I'm thinking of the Fish Trap Creek here in in uh, the Linden area where we're broadcasting from this morning. Um, and then it goes through the city of Linden, not like a huge urban metropolis, but still it's a city area versus a rural area, and water quality goes down. Uh, so what's going on with this, and, and what role can uh, farmland and open spaces and pervious surfaces and all this play in protecting water quality. Been seeing uh, some talk online about uh, the threat to salmon, uh, water quality, poison in the water essentially, uh, from urban runoff, stormwater runoff. What's the scoop on that? So I thought we'd go right to the source. Um, in, in fact, uh, here's a clip from a, re a recent video. Actually, a couple years ago, this video is done um, with Dr. Jen McIntyre, our, our guest. Uh, here, take a listen. Spending a lot of time outdoors. Went to graduate school in order to learn more about biology, learn more about fish, learn more about toxicology. For many years now, we've been studying what stormwater runoff is able to do to aquatic animals. Stormwater runoff is this crazy cocktail mixture of contaminants. It's basically the rain that falls from the sky. 
Some of that water is going to soak into the soil, some of that water is going to fall directly into water bodies. But the water that falls on hard surfaces, impervious surfaces like roads for example, that has nowhere to go and it runs off of that surface. And what it does is it picks up chemicals and it carries those usually into a water body like a small stream where salmon are trying to survive. So this is a big issue uh, with salmon here in, in western Washington in particular, other places of course as well and she joins us now. She's an aquatic uh, toxicologist, amongst other things. Dr. Jen McIntyre, welcome to the program. So talk about, uh, are our fish being poisoned by by stormwater runoff from, from urban areas? What, what's going on with this? Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Um, what we're seeing in particular is that coho salmon, so silver salmon, when they come back to spawn in, um, in the fall, if they're returning to an urban creek, Whenever it rains, we're getting water from the nearby um, hard surfaces, like we were saying, often roadways, um, entering into these urban creeks. And the coho will literally <laughs> roll over and die within, um, within a day's period if they're exposed to this type of water. Um, when we walked up and down some of these urban creeks in the fall during the spawning runs and, and we'll come across the fish that looks fine. And then next time we see it, even just a few hours later, it might already be dead. So it's that, it's that fast of an impact. So what's actually killing these fish? How, how, how does this happen? What are you finding in the water? Well, we're finding lots and lots of chemicals. So, you know, from an urban environment, we have um, lots of activities that we undertake in, we humans, um, and there are a lot of us in urban areas. So every little thing that, that um, people do can contribute to that, that chemical cocktail that ends up running into the creeks. Um, a lot of what we think it is, is coming from vehicles. So uh, the particular chemicals that that is, we still don't know. It's actually that complicated of a mixture, but it's something um, coming from the, you know, there's chemicals that come from the brakes, from the tires themselves as they wear down, from um, exhaust particles, from leaking oil, you know, many, many chemicals could be contributing to the problem. So what are some of the answers that you guys are are interested in at this point? And, and maybe more of your research is just focused on the causes, but you, while you're doing this kind of research, while you're looking into these kind of, thing, kind of things, you, you've got to be thinking about how, how can we stop this? How can we stop killing fish? What's the antidote? Yeah, we definitely have been pursuing both lines of research. So what what is the nature of the problem? How bad is it? Where is it happening? Um, but also, while we have this black box of not knowing exactly what it is that's causing it, yeah, what can we do about it? How can we prevent this um, this acute mortality from happening in in the urban areas where we see it, or even just the, the urbanizing areas. Um, and what we've been studying are called uh, green stormwater infrastructure techniques. So they're things like rain gardens and green roofs and, and permeable pavements and the kinds of things that um, take all of this hard urban surface that rainwater can just run off of and, and encourage it instead to soak down um, into the subsurface, you know, into the into the soil layer and get um, filtered and absorbed and then slowly go back into the into the um, creeks or into Puget Sound the way it's kind of supposed to. Yeah, we in the in the farming community know a little bit about uh, percolation and and, and mm -hmm. getting water into the soil and and 
that's something I want to highlight here, even in our conversation, just the importance of farmland. I want, I want the farming community to, to not take for granted what their, what their land can do as far as protecting water quality, clean, improving water quality in some cases. Um, and of course, this is in the context of, of course, you know, farming operations have to protect water quality and not contribute to chemicals of any kind going into streams either. I mean, I'm just taking that as a granted, uh, something that we expect and and uh, certainly endorse everyone to, to be farming with the utmost care uh, towards these kinds of things. But uh, open space, open land, whether it's undisturbed land, rural areas, farmland, etc., all seems to be different in, in this case uh, than pavement from what it sounds like is pavement is is uh, kind of kind of a scary thing here. Yeah, yeah, and with the you know with the population trends in the in the Pacific Northwest, it's certainly a, a big concern for our local salmon populations. Again, considering uh, and assuming that that farmers are doing their due diligence to protect water quality with you know any potential there of their own, what things can farmers do as far as as making sure their land is being used as as the best buffer um, and storm water filter possible? I, I would imagine that you would see some clues to that in in in, in uh, the difference of water coming off of open areas versus water coming off of pavement yeah we haven't we haven't done too many um, direct comparisons ourselves yeah. um, mostly we're looking at you know the bad stuff coming off of the hard surfaces um, right. but it, it could be interesting to make that direct comparison mm-hmm. um, certainly any any farmers along along roads that they find are getting busier and busier will be providing you know, potential, potential environmental services there. And and maybe could even, if they have the space on their land, be a part of, you know, making sure that water doesn't just go right into a creek. Exactly. That's what I'm wondering about. And I I don't know how much that's been talked about or or pondered and and what happens with all the stormwater, where does it go? And how do we, I know it's a a big battle here in Whatcom County, even uh, for, for the County itself and for the cities to, to deal with stormwater. And there's a lot of pressure to, Mm -hmm. to deal with these systems and, and clean up water quality better than, I mean, a lot of people, I think don't realize how many of those drains you might see in a residential area along a street, wherever on, on pavement go right to, a stream there's it's not like it goes in a lot of cases not like it goes to the water treatment plant yeah i think it's amazing how little um we as a as a people understand that that is exactly true that that the water is not going somewhere to get treated before it ends up going into a creek or into puget sound um so every little thing that we do you know (laughs) washing your car on on the side of the road you know that will go directly into um a place where aquatic animals are trying to live talking with dr jen mcintyre she's an aquatic toxicologist looking at a a dangerous deadly cocktail of toxins contaminants pollution really uh in in our water as a result of of uh, impervious surfaces roadways and whatnot and and the effect that could be having uh, particularly on salmon i'm sure on other aquatic life as well you talk about coho salmon in particular any research on something i mean we hear so much recently about chinook salmon and the, mm. and the key that that is to the orca populations, et cetera, et cetera. Do we know, is this affecting Chinook as well? Are they immune to this? How, how does that all fit together? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So the um, couple things, one is that um, 
coho themselves um, are important to orca in in terms of um, what they the food that they eat in the uh, late summer and early fall, which is the time that coho are on their way back through Puget Sound and through the mm. nearshore waters in order to spawn. So they they do feed on coho at that time. Um, in terms of the impact that stormwater has on the other salmon species and whether that could translate up to the orca level, we're just starting to go there. Um, coho look to be very sensitive compared to chum. That's the only mm. other species we've done a direct comparison on. In fact, chum are invulnerable from what we've seen so far in our experiments. Mm. Um, whereas the, the coho are dying in a matter of a few hours, the chum <laughs> don't even get sick. <laughs> wow. Um, but it is apparently they're entire, tough fish. <laughs> they're, they are tough fish. Um, uh, it is incredibly likely, though, that um, some of the other species will have, if not this acute mortality effect, um, effects as the fish are developing. You know, they spend they spend um, up to several months actually developing under the gravel, right? When they're mm -hmm. when they're little babies. Um, and stormwater can have impacts at that level. We've seen that with other fish that we've studied, um, developmental defects, and then that could translate up to, you know, having trouble surviving, and then they're not being enough to, to head out into the ocean. Yeah, and even if they can survive and do all that, they have to be able to reproduce, too. And, and are those systems working with these animals, even if they do survive uh, some of the things that they may ingest along the way? Um, farmers have been more and more tuned into what's going on with fish. Certainly, they they have um, had to, to take up this issue and and really you know have made huge improvements in the last 10 20 years on protecting water quality preventing any sort of pollution from runoff from farms and things changing practices dramatically since uh, you know again 20 years ago or more mm -hmm. um, and so farmers really are, are starting to feel more like partners in in some of these big salmon recovery issues um, spent a lot of work on and, and money on uh, stream restoration and whatnot and, and it is kind of frustrating to see well here you know we may do some some stream restoration we may help where we can where we have influence but then when that stream goes on through an urban area um, the problems may still exist and, and it feels, it feels really frustrating at times, uh, to be honest, once you get in and I'm sure a lot of people attacking this, this salmon recovery issue, which is huge from other angles, probably feel the same way and like, gosh, how do we, how do we get around some of these things? Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's, uh, on the, the farming angle, it's very exciting to see so many, um, partnerships, um, mm -hmm. that have been, like you're saying, over the last 10, 20 years, partnerships between um, farmers and, and, you know, environmental um, activist groups or right. you know, advocacy groups in terms of doing that stream restoration type type of stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's really exciting. And what you're saying about, you know, we've, we've done something up here and that's improving the habitat for the fish, but then, right, they, they have to run through this gauntlet of, um, you know, of, of insults when they get through, when they're passing through an urban area. Mm -hmm. um, or, or, you know, other certain land uses can have those impacts too, but, uh, but it certainly would be frustrating to yeah. be on the ground like you are. 
well, and and I'm I'm sure you have that sense when you're I mean doing your research and you're sampling this water and it's it's not like this is happening in a lab. You're doing the research out in the real world and it's happening every day whether you're out there sampling the water or not. And and there has to be an increasing sense of urgency that that we all need to do something uh, about this this problem. This is one of the things that we're hearing about uh, in terms of salmon recovery right now. Um, that people are talking about. And again, this, the orca situation has added fuel to that fire of motivation to do something here, but it's an ongoing conversation regardless. Um, and, and, you know, we're hearing a variety, we're hearing about uh, seal predation, marine mammal predation. We're hearing about um, aquatic noise. We're hearing about uh, things like, uh, like you're talking about, toxins in the water. Um, a lot of different angles to go after and, and it, it can get depressing, but that, that's where I'm, I'm trying to find uh, some common ground here where farmers can actually be involved and, and in tune with what's happening and, and provide some solutions. I would think, and again, you say you haven't done a direct comparison as far as a study, but uh, open ground that's being managed carefully and isn't uh, creating any of its own runoff problems and certainly could be more of a filter than than pavement and and that's what we're at least my group is is trying to to stave off is if we don't have farms what comes in you know we see it time and again we've got the pictures of the cows with the houses in the background it just yeah. seems like it's almost an automatic around here that if if the land isn't being used for something either it's open space it's not being used for anything right now it's being used for farming right now or if it's not it's going to get paved and pavement is forever right I, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though i guess your your talk about rain gardens and such proves that pavement doesn't necessarily have to be forever in all places and i have seen some of those things pop up. a rain garden is yeah. tiny compared to a you know a hundred acre field or even a 10 acre field that that can uh, provide a, a, a buffer right. system and it, and it's very expensive to go backwards yeah you know? so pavement is not actually forever <laughs> but if you're going to tear that up and, and try to retrofit it so that it's healthier for salmon it's going to be much more expensive than either not doing it in the first place you know not not paving over it in the first place mm-hmm. or um having to do that retrofit so um yeah we, we're also strong advocates for you know getting this information out there into the world yeah. where you can either protect you can either protect land and and not have it be developed or if there's d- development that's going to happen to have it be um, you know, salmon safe, and, and we're we're developing more and more technologies to to have a better chance of, right. of having salmon live well with people. Dr. Jen McIntyre with Washington State University. We appreciate your research and your insight into this issue. Again, as farmers try to come alongside and understand more and more about the salmon recovery uh, situation, like the scientists like yourself understand, like many other advocates and organizations that are keyed in on this issue as well. Um, and I just uh, hoping I'm hoping for more and more collaboration and work together on some of these things. Uh, let, let's do some more research. Let's find out what we can do. Um, I, I think farmers are really open to that. And uh, keep us in mind. Let us know if there's something. That, how, how can how can we do more uh, to protect fish from from urban runoff and and things like that? We appreciate your time on the program though this morning. All right. Thank you very much. It's nice talking with you.